What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, joined by my co-host, Micah. Hey. I know we just did one of these two weeks ago, but it feels like it's been forever since we sat down to record this podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's how much we missed you people. Yeah, we did. Uh, I I did miss you while I was hanging out on the beach all last week. Yeah. With my pale ass. (laughs) (laughs) Living life, living it up while the rest of us are just fucking sweltering well we're back to the grind and and blessedly uh the post e3 uh news cycles have been have been very slow um there's not a lot of news to talk about today so we're going to spend probably a good amount of time in 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 the post office uh you guys had some good questions that i'm actually looking forward to talking about um later in the show uh before we get to that micah has a lot of games he's been playing i'm going to talk about the one new game that I've been playing. Uh, I downloaded Hollow Knight because it was on sale during E3 week on the Switch for $7.50, which is a ridiculously good price for that game. Um, one of the best games of last year by by most people's accounts. Or was it this year? I have no idea. Um, and then, but the thing is, so Hollow Knight is a Metroid-style game um, where you, it, it's, 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 a, it's a product of the genre. I, I, so far, I've not gotten very far into it, but it is, it screams Metroid. Um, but I'm not really feeling it. Like, I don't know what it is. I think it's the gameplay because the art style is cool. It's got a very, like, gothic art theme mm-hmm. to it. Um, the music is fine. The level designs are what you would expect. Um, I think it's because so far I haven't unlocked any, like, new abilities for the characters. So the gameplay feels kind of bland. And maybe I just need to get further in. I'm really not far into the game at all. But I haven't been compelled uh, to go back and continue playing it. Uh, once I got back from the beach, I played a lot of Iron Banner. Um, I played a lot of Dauntless, uh, and I played some of Tetris 99. They had an event going on this past weekend. I finished the Borderlands expansion, so I've been gaming a lot. Um, but I just haven't been playing Hollow Knight. I haven't been compelled to go back to it. I'm excited about Bloodstained, actually. Uh, Bloodstained came out last week. Uh, it's coming to the Switch this week. I'm waiting to see the reviews of the Switch version specifically before I decide which version I want to go buy. Um, if you guys are part of our fan group, densepixels.com slash fans, Terrence gave it a ringing endorsement. Um, so that might be the one for me then if, if, if I'm looking for that style of game. Hollow Knight just, I, I just, it just ha- it hasn't, hasn't sunk in its, uh, its hooks into me yet. Hmm. And I know a couple folks in the group really liked it, thought it was great. And I definitely respect that. Um, but for me, it just hasn't really done it. And I, I didn't put it on here. I guess I should talk about the Borderlands expansion. Um, if you are listening to this as we put it out, I think it's still free. Uh, if you have Borderlands 2, you should probably check it out. It's a good uh, few hours long expansion if you just you know bounce through the main story. Uh, there's a few side quests you can do as well. Uh, it's solid. It, it gets you ready for Borderlands 3 because the story sort of leads into it. Um, it's exactly what I wanted. I think I mentioned this on the show. It's exactly what I wanted because... Uh, it's, it's not too much Borderlands that I'm going to burn myself out, but it's enough to just kind of, kind of get the feel for it in the, you know, the zeitgeist that's around the game again, since all of the news and, and, and trailers for three have come out. Um, there's a new, uh, loot tier of weapons called Evervescent. Uh, I got a submachine gun that's from Tidior, which is great because it lights enemies on fire when you shoot them. And then when you throw it out, it just starts whirling around on the ground, spraying bullets, um, when you reload. Which which is the fun thing of those weapons. I also have a fuck ton of golden keys, so I've been cashing those in for all sorts of crazy weapons. Um, so I've been enjoying it. It's been a good time. I might go back and do some of the side missions uh, now that I'm done the main 
the main storyline. Uh, but if you have Borderlands 2, or if you don't, it's free still on PlayStation this month. Uh, check it out. It's it's solid, and uh, it, it's the perfect fix I needed as we wait for September uh, for Borderlands 3. Yeah, I was I was worried about that. I, I downloaded it, but I haven't played it yet. I was worried that um, I'm like, am I going to want to jump into this and... And uh, I, the length was my biggest concern. Like, I don't want something that's going to be like hours and hours and hours. No, I think I think if you just mainline the story, um, you could probably knock it out in a solid five hours. You could do it in one sitting if you really wanted to. So maybe okay. less than that, actually. Kind of come to think of it. So okay. Well, that is uh, going to be on the back burner for a while because uh, I too took advantage of uh, some some E three sales. Uh, and made some purchases for the Switch. Um, the first one is uh, my friend Pedro. Um, my friend Pedro is weird. Um, the concept is weird, right? There's like, it's all about a sentient banana um, contacting this guy who has like, he, he kind of looks like he would be a Deadpool cosplayer. And... Um, and the sentient banana is talking to this guy through, you know, telepathy and is telling him that he's got to go kill these people. And he does. Um, the hook with this game is that it is a Metroid. It's, it's laid out like a, like a Metroid style game. Um, and it's a twin stick shooter. So you are this character and you're walking around and the right stick is, you know, you can aim with it and you can, and you have two guns in each, you have a gun in each hand, right? So if there are enemies, you know, on either side of you, or you can shoot two different enemies at the same time. Um, and it has a slow motion mechanic a la bullet time, right? Like Max Payne. And, it's a fun little game. It's very difficult to play on the Switch uh, with the Joy-Cons. Um, it's a game that I, you know, I need to play with uh, a pro controller because you use every button on that controller. But um, the animation is really fluid, almost, almost too much so. Um, but it's a nice little like it's a nice little like hybrid twin stick platform metroid style you know bullet ballet um there's not much to it you know you go from level to level just shooting people and you get uh grades based on how you do you know how many how much how many people you kill uh versus how many hits you take um and it's all about style and it's something that i think terrence would really like but uh, it's developed by Devolver. It's published by Devolver Digital, developed by uh, I think one guy, uh, one or two people hmm. from Dead Toast Entertainment. It was an Adult Swim game, and it was a Flash game. So you know how Adult Swim games are. That's hmm. kind of like the vibe you get from this. But I bought it for fifteen bucks. Uh, it's well worth your fifteen bucks. I don't imagine I would go back to it when I'm, you know, once I'm done. But it's it's like a time waster, like all those Flash games, you know. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, next up, uh, this was also on sale for like, I think the, the regular price is like 40 bucks, And I think I got it for 50% off. Uh, it's called Battle Chasers Night War. 
Battle Chasers is uh, the brainchild of Joe Maderera. Uh, of Darksiders fame. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, all his work. You've seen his work before, and if you're into games, all those Darksiders games, he does the art for. Well, this is his property that he came up with, right? And he's worked with THQ Nordic to release this game. It is a turn-based RPG, and it's essentially you have your main cast of characters. Uh, something uh, bad happens to them, and they get split up. So now you have to try and find each other, and then you get mixed up in this whole overarching plot. Um, it it has an overworld, right? And you move your character from you know one location to the other in a pretty linear fashion, right? Like you can't just go off the there are paths you can't go off the beaten path. Um, and then they have dungeon areas that you can go into throughout the under throughout the overworld. Once you go in, each character has a specific character trait that you can use to uh, get to certain places in the dungeon. And every enemy is on screen that you can fight, right? Like you and you you walk up to them, you initiate a turn based battle. Um, and the 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 hook with the turn based battling is that. Regular attacks have uh, a successful regular attack can generate what they call overcharge. And then overcharge is used in place of mana. So you have your health bar, your mana bar, and then overcharge, which, which stacks on top of your mana. So essentially, depending on how you play, you can maximize. The goal is to maximize your f- physical attacks to get enough overcharge so that you can manage your mana because you don't really, you don't get that stuff back quickly and, you know, moves take a ton of mana to use. Right. Um, I actually really like this game. I, I really like it. It's the type of turn-based RPG that, uh, I am really into. Uh, the mechanics are pretty deep. The, you know, it's got a, uh, a, an extensive loot system, uh, you know, where you have to, you can make your own, uh, equipment and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, man. And it's, it looks beautiful. Like if you like Joe Matarera's art style, I mean, this is all over it. This is, this is, uh, I can't recommend this game enough. If you like, uh, if you like RPGs, man, it's really good. The reviews are pretty good. I'm, I'm looking over, uh, some of those while you're talking right now. Yeah. Very interesting. This is a Kickstarter game, by the way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Of all things. So, so there you go. All you people who say, Oh, you don't like indie games. Yeah. I like indie games. Just like good ones. That's all. <laughs> That's all. I like good ones and I like the ones that exist. Uh, you know, um, the next game that, uh, I have been playing, I've been looking forward to for a very long time. It is judgment. Uh, it is from the same folks, Ryu Ga Gokuto Studio. They are the people that are doing uh, the Yakuza series. I thought this wasn't out yet. Uh, it is. It is available for people who pre-ordered it. Ah, okay. Yes. Weird. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how they do it now, right? Like instead of just giving you the release date, they give you the release date and then hold it for everyone else who didn't give them the money. Um. But yeah, I, 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 look, I love the Yakuza series. Uh, I, it, it, 
it came at a place. It, it's, it, when, when Shenmu let me down, Yakuza said, Hey, I'll be your new favorite game series. And, and <laughs> your I, your new favorite game series. Oh, you know, it, it's, it, 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 it speaks highly of itself, right? Okay. okay. But, um, but no, it's, it's really good, man. Um, it is, it is an open world action adventure game. And, you know, I use op- the term open world kind of loosely, um, because the city that this takes place in, Camarocho, is, you know, like five, six, seven square blocks. Like it's not, it's not big, right? But because it's not big, it's hyper detailed. And it's been very interesting playing Yakuza 0 and, uh, Kwame and Kwame 2, uh, and now Judgment just to see how this city, you know, I always hate when people say, oh, the city's like a character of itself, but it is, right? Like, it feels like a truly lived in city and it's got all the same type of silliness, maybe not as much silliness as the Yakuza games, but it's got this, the, the silliness, it's got the uh, combat that you're, that you're used to. Um, it is, it has a really interesting story, right? Like there's a serial killer going around killing, um, uh, Yakuza. And this guy who is a detective, he was a former lawyer. Now he quit law to be a detective is trying to go around and, and figure out, you know, what's going on. The guy, the guy, he's, he's adorable. He was a lawyer, right? And he, uh, was a defense attorney at this little law firm. And, but he's like a pie in the sky lawyer, right? Like he only deals with people who he knows are innocent. And he wants to, you know, get them acquitted, right? So this guy um, made his nut on essentially acquitting OJ, right? (laughs) He made his nut on essentially getting OJ acquitted. And then lo and behold, the OJ in this game went and killed somebody else. So he was like, oh my gosh, I don't, if I don't have the, the the right judgment in my in myself i can't be a lawyer anymore right like it's a very japanese thing right like to be so self-deprecating you messed up once and all of a sudden you gotta quit the profession right so now i have to i have to commit harakiri in my career right (laughs) right because i mean look you messed up man but then some of the people in the world like they ain't shit either because they they don't let them forget it he was like, oh, yeah, you're the one that uh, set a murderer <laughs> free, aren't you? Like, yo, what are you doing? Yo? But, um, yeah, look, uh, bottom line, if you, are, if you are new to the Yakuza series, I would probably play Yakuza 0 first because you can get it cheap. Um, and I, I think that game so far, Yakuza 0, might be slightly better than Judgment. I'm only like four hours in. But I absolutely love Judgment. It would be my number two of these types of games. That's incredible to me. Now and now, all I want to do is I want to see the bizarre, like alt universe game where Johnny Cochran has a crisis of faith, successfully <laughs> defending OJ, and so he becomes <laughs> a detective at like age sixty-five. Well, Johnny Cochran would have to rise himself up from the dead. 
Uh, oh, I'm saying, you know, well, this takes place. This takes place in like an alternate 1996. Ah, oh, there you go. Yes. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and, and, and set it inside of that world. I'm, I'm aware that Johnny Cochran is no longer uh, no longer with us. But then he can have clever one-liners that he throws out uh, during the game <laughs> as well. And you could pick them. They could have a multiple like dialogue system that gives you several <laughs> options as far as what rhyme you'd like to do <laughs> while you're solving crimes. Um, that's amazing. Uh, I didn't know the plot of that game, and that's actually really funny. So yeah. I'm glad it's good. Uh, and again, another game that is pretty favorably reviewed, uh, as I was looking at while you were checking that out. Um, so that's a that's a bit of an extended what we've been playing this week. For a change. Uh, yeah, for a change. <laughs> um, look, there ain't shit to do in the summertime, right? Yeah. So we got we got to do that. Um, the new releases, obviously, this isn't going to be comprehensive because it's three weeks worth since we obviously didn't do new releases during our E3 show. I'm just going to go over some of the highlights. Uh, Crash Team Racing came out last week on all platforms. Uh, Super Mario Maker 2 comes out this Friday on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we mentioned Bloodstain came out on PS4 and Xbox One and PC last week. Uh, it's coming to the Switch tomorrow, or today, as most of you are probably listening to this. Uh, Judgment releases uh, for the us non-pre-order plebes uh, tomorrow or today. Uh, F1 2019 for PS4 and Xbox One comes out this week. Samurai Showdown comes out for PS4 and Xbox One this week. Uh, the Sinking City, which is a Cthulhu-themed game, comes out for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, and there's a new simulator game out, so you know we have to highlight it. Uh, Car Mechanic Simulator comes out on PS4, Xbox One, Yo, what are you and doing? Switch. What are we doing, man? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, there, we're not going to stop until there's a there's a simulator game for every profession <laughs> that exists in the world. Um, podcast simulator is is the inevitable destination, or simulator simulator. You there have you to go. you have to make a simulator game. <laughs> that would be incredible. Um, some quick hits, uh, news stories this week. Microsoft has released the final backwards compatible games for the Xbox One. Uh, there's a whole list of games that they released a couple weeks ago. Um. But they said they're done doing it because now they're going to move on to the new Project Scarlet Xbox system. Uh, it's not again; it's not a great list. Um, most of it's you know rare games and rare, rare the company, not like hard to find games that came out a bunch of the uh, Splinter Cell games uh, randomly. Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, which released for the original Xbox One or the the original Xbox way back in the day, and uh, those are those are the original Xbox games. And then you have on three sixty. Uh, I'm looking through for the highlights of Sora's Wrath. Um, I do like a Sora's Wrath. If, if you if you're into you know that style of anime, it's very good. Super Puzzle Fighter Turbo. Uh, apparently, Two Human is being given away for free. That seems like a punishment to me. I feel like you have to pay me to take that game. <laughs> so yeah, so they said the back. Uh, quoting from Microsoft, uh, the pa- the backwards compatible program was a huge success thanks to the community and all of your feedback. But the team is hard at work on the future with Project Scarlet. So. No more new backwards compatible games. And I guess that means all the new games coming to uh, Games with Gold are going to be games that are already backwards compatible um, if they're not adding new ones at this point. Wow. Infinite Undiscovery. Wow. Yeah. Remember remember when they – remember that push during the late uh, the late aughts by Microsoft to put more Japanese RPGs in their system in the hopes yeah. that it would sell more in Japan? <laughs> no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> so – there you go. Uh, some news for you Gears fans out there. If you're looking forward to Gears 5, well, Microsoft is dropping the Season Pass and Gear Packs uh, paid DLC options for the game. And instead, they're going to be opting for a system that is very Battle Pass-esque uh, for Gears 5. So all the new maps 
are going to be free. Uh, they're not going to be doing the gear packs they've done in previous Gears of War games for, and those they give you temporary stat boosts, right, for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, much like in in Halo and other games of its like. Mm-hmm. Um, what they will do is they're going to have uh, something called Tour of Duty, which is going to follow a seasonal schedule where players can earn customization content, including character skins, by completing daily challenges and reaching seasonal milestones. And they said that the path to each piece piece of earnable content is clear uh, and you will know what you need to do to earn each specific customization item and they also said that no piece of content is going to be premium only everything can be earned um through this system and they also say those who do not choose those who choose who sorry those who do choose to pay for content will know exactly what they're getting there's gonna be no randomized rewards uh micah you are the closest thing i know to a gears fan uh, what do you think about this, and does this make you more intrigued to play the new Gears 5 when it comes out? Um, I mean, I guess it's a step in the right direction. I'm I'm a little too cynical. I, I kind of want to know where the hook is. You know, I tried uh, this past weekend to play Gears 4 because I never finished it. I, I Terrence and I got on, on Twitch once, and we were playing Gears 4, and that's where I stopped. Like, I, I just didn't care about it because I just, I hate JD. He's a, he's a, he's the Stephen Amell of the video game world. He's just kind of good looking guy, just kind of there. Nothing special about him. And I tried to replay it and uh, same thing. So I don't know if I am going to get Gears 5. Like, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised you don't have copies pre ordered already. Uh, I mean, look, that's why I tried to play Gears 4, because I'm like, <laughs> yo, I got to see if I could get back into this before I pre-order this. And I, I just, I can't, you know, because, yeah, you know, you got to pre-order it so that you can get the, the Terminator endoskeleton, right? <laughs> I find it interesting they're doing this. Um, I think that companies are seeing the massive success that, uh, like Fortnite's having, mm-hmm. that Apex Legends is having, uh, that sees the lucrative business model that the season pass uh, system is. And it's interesting that they're using that to forego the traditional, like, you know, DLC map model. Uh, Call of Duty's kind of doing the same thing uh, with the new Modern Warfare that's coming out, like we've talked about in the past. Uh, I'd be interested to see if this is going to benefit long-term for them. I take this to mean that sales of the Gears 4 season pass were not great, Compared to other games that pass, perhaps. Um, and perhaps they're also seeing a lot of success when they did something similar for Halo 5. Now, Halo 5 still had the like the boost packs that you could buy, right? That were just the maps that you got for free. Yeah. With that one. So, I mean, maybe, again, this is just an evolution of that. Um, I think more companies will dip their toe into this Battle Pass model. Um It'll be interesting to see what the reaction from the communities will be because the reason why the Battle Pass works so well with Fortnite, Apex, uh, Dauntless is another game that has it as well, is because the game itself is free and you're just paying for the unlockable content, whereas Gears, you're still dropping $60 on the game. Now, you can make the argument that you're getting a full, you know, full-fledged single-player, well, cooperative experience also in terms of the Gears campaign, but... um I don't know. Like I said, I'll be interested to see how this does. I'll be interested to see if it keeps people on Gears 5 multiplayer longer than they might normally because there's a lot of competition this fall. And with all the other live service games going on as well, uh, is also going to be competitive as well for them. 
Well, hold that thought uh, for later on in the show because we're going to talk about that stuff. Uh, speaking of gears, Rod Ferguson uh, did an interview with Game Informer, and uh, he. I don't, if you work, guys are not aware, Rod Ferguson previously worked at Epic Games, uh, as Epic Games used to be the developer of Gears of War before you know Gears they before you know retained Microsoft and Epic left. And Rod Ferguson said in a very candid interview, "quote." If I had stayed at Epic, I would have canceled Fortnite. Before I left, I tried to cancel Fortnite. When it was Save the World, that was a project that had some challenges. And as the director of production at the time, that game would not have passed my bar for something we should continue to keep going. So <laughs> talk, talk about one of the all-time great uh, butterfly effect yeah, no kidding, you know, man. opportunities. Man, can you imagine if Fortnite had just never come out? If it had never come out, like, like, where would video games be right now? Where would Epic be right now? That's true. There wouldn't be the Epic <laughs> Game Store, I don't think, certainly. Now, my question to you is, if you're Rod Ferguson, why the fuck would you admit this in public? This can't make you look good. If you're just like, hey, you know, the, the, one of the most successful fucking games ever? Yeah, that wouldn't have come out if it was on my watch. I mean, I there, you know, it's one thing to be, like, self-deprecating in, you know, for the sake of humor, but it's another to make yourself look incompetent, right? Like, you can't. <laughs> and, and, and I'll give him, I'll give him, uh, in, in fairness, yeah, Fortnite Save the World wasn't, Blowing anyone's skirt up, like for right. it certainly wasn't the amazing revolution that the Fortnite Battle Royale has has become, right? Um, but still, <laughs> like it's a, I, I can't imagine being the guy that's standing in the wake of this bill, this now multi billion dollar game, and being like, yeah, that probably wouldn't have ever seen the light of day had I not moved on from this company. Yeah, it's but you know what? Uh, more people I think would, uh, more people I think do that than you might think. Like, yeah, huh, isn't this funny? Hey, funny story. If I was still in charge, we wouldn't have had this. So, yeah, I I mean, I get it. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't have said nothing. So moving on from there, um, Micah, you have been playing Destiny. Uh, lots of people have been coming back to the game, especially in the wake of all of the announced changes and updates and the new season that's come out. But there is one little problem inside of the Crucible, uh, and that is that the Lord of Wolves exotic shotgun is really broken right now. So the story behind this is there is a there's a perk on the shotgun called Release the Wolves that gives the shotgun shorter range, uh, but the bullets deal more damage so that you can kill stuff pretty easily. Um, the shot, the perk used to have to be perked with a kill on the shotgun, but it wasn't getting, it wasn't powerful enough in PVE. So Bungie changed it so that the, you could, you can toggle the perk on at will whenever you want, <laughs> um, which makes it a more viable PVE weapon, but it's had the unintended consequence of one, basically one bursting people inside of the crucible, including during roaming supers. Yo, right now, <laughs> really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's 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 kind of akin to when we had the Prometheus lens issue last year, except that they did not make Lord of Wolves available through Zerd to everybody. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that means they're going to hurry up and fix this, right? Well, well, here's the thing. So Luke Smith during their uh, charity stream for Guardian Con that Bungie was doing this last week, they they said if they got to a certain uh, charity threshold, they would force him to come on and talk about this because he wasn't, he was kind of remaining mum about it. So he said that they do plan on fixing it. Um, however, they didn't think it's broken enough 
that they need to make it a urgent priority because it's not like ruining the game. And to be fair, it's not like everyone's running around with it right now. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things that's annoying when you encounter. Um, but he said also that he didn't want to do this because he didn't want to rush the patch out because he did not want to affect the work-life balance of his development team. Huh. Um, so basically he said uh, during the stream uh, that they're going to work the fix into its upcoming schedule uh, in order to avoid developers having put in super long hours to fix it now. He said, we're having a conversation about is it worth doing that or is it better to preserve the work-life balance and ship it later in July? To ask a team to do that back-to-back, -back, full disclosure, it's not a thing we want to do. We try to be really careful about stuff like that. He's not getting a lot of backlash from the community on this either, um, I mean, which is interesting. I mean, he's saying the right things, right? Like, hey, yeah, this thing's broken, but you know, crunch is a big deal now uh, because people have because people know about it, and and yeah, he's 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 playing politics. He knows what he's uh, he knows what he's doing. Um, wow. Okay. I mean, that's kind of refreshing, right? Yeah. Um, at the same I, time, I, I like how you decoded it in your typical cynicism, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, come on, man, like it is what it is, man. You know, he's not doing this for the the betterment of the worker, right? Like he's, he's. I mean, he is. Though. He, if he is. really wanted well, yeah. to. They could. They could. They could work on getting a patch out. Uh, yeah, this weekend if they really wanted to. But. I I guess so, but at the same time, like I like to think that he likes. Uh, uh, you know, every this game needs to have a broken weapon every now and again to keep people talking about it, right? And to keep people chasing it, right? This thing isn't gonna this thing isn't gonna be fixed until sometime in July. I don't know what the how you get this. I'm assuming it's a quest that you have it's to a ra do. it's a random drop actually. Oh is it oh really? Yeah. I mean what better way to get people to keep playing in hopes for a random <laughs> than to drop grind for their Lord of Wolves. Yeah, than to grind shotgun. for this than to grind for this this weapon that will one shot people. Because that's what people want. Like they don't want to. They don't want like like intense firefights. They want they want kills, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I was still actively playing, I would hop on just to see if I. I would I would go to Zur and get one of those you know coins or whatever that increases the drop rate, just to play, just to see. Uh, it's it's fun going in right now, just doing Menagerie, man. Like I said, grinding for – it's funny because Menagerie too. there's a bug in there that's actually – so like at the end of the Menagerie, um, there's a chest you open that gets you the weapon that you – you know, you slot runes in your chalice and you get the specific weapon that the combination of runes that you slot gets you. Mm -hmm. You can actually run back through, through the Menagerie and circle back around to the chest and do it like five times in a single – in a single session. Hmm. Which is definitely a bug, but it's a really cool bug because it's making grinding super efficient. And I think the community would push back on that if they <laughs> if they fixed it at this point. They haven't said anything about it, which is hilarious to me. Um, that this new season's been going on for three weeks and they they've remained mum. Um, so we'll see if they do anything with that. Oh, the other thing too, I didn't put in the docket. They also announced uh, new changes to the Eververse that is coming with the new update when the new expansion comes out in September. So. And before in the Eververse, there was every season had a specific uh, special armor set uh, for each class of Guardian. Mm -hmm. And when you would get those armor in drops from the Eververse, uh, you would always get them at 10 power level. Yeah. And they would always roll with terrible perks. Um, and that was on purpose, by the way, because they didn't want people paying for power. So they consciously made the perk rolls on those pieces of armor uh, 
weighed to be not great, Ugh. which I found interesting. Yeah. Um, so what they're doing now is they're not going – first of all, you're not going to be able to get bright dust from items that you break down that come from the Eververse. Uh, bright dust is going to be earned just through doing regular in-game activities now, which is interesting. And then all of your Eververse armor – is going to go away. Like even if you have it in your vaults, it's going to disappear because all of those Eververse armors are going to now become universal ornaments that you can put over top of any legendary piece of armor. Huh. So basically if you have a full set of and, – and if you any Eververse armor you earned previously to this, you'll retroactively get those ornaments – um, in your inventory. So basically, if you, if there was an Eververse set that looked really cool, you can take any five pieces of legendary gear that have stat rolls that you like and power levels that you like and just put those, um, put the Eververse armor on as an ornament just to change the appearance of it. I like that a lot. Yes. <laughs> I think that's an excellent fucking change. Um, that is, that was sorely needed, sorely needed from the Eververse. Um, they've needed to overhaul that system for a really long time. Yeah. And I can't imagine, um, a, a better change when it comes to that armor. Yeah. That is because I, I love the Eververse armor. Most of it is, is, looks really good. And, um, I remember having to, yeah. all right, look, look, don't judge me. All right. But I have spent <laughs> silver to try and get like like the the a full set of eververse armor before and um but yeah it always it always won it always came at you know 10 power level especially and then when they changed the cost of upgrading these things i'm like well fuck this i'm not gonna right. this is this costs way too much <laughs> so yeah oh man that's that sounds really cool actually and you actually you haven't been in since either. So now the way Eververse works is so they have the rotating stock of bright dust items every week uh. that that changes. Now when you buy when you get silver, you don't just have to spend silver on random engrams. Basically, any premium item they're they're doing it like any other game does now. So any premium item that they're going to have available for the season, you can buy anytime with silver. Hmm. Like you can just go in it like if you're like, I really don't feel like waiting to to fucking pull the slot machine or waiting for this, you know, gun skin or gun ornament to come in the rotation. I'm just going to buy it for three bucks. You can just do that now. Like wow. it's not you don't have to you don't have to play the fucking the fucking game. Any, you know, or the, the you know, the fucking engram game anymore to get that stuff. Damn. So. Uh, all right, Destiny. I. I. You know, I want to hop back into Destiny, but realistically, I probably won't be back until Shadowfall comes out. That's understandable. That's understandable. Like I said, this this season is cool, and there's some really good guns in the Menagerie, but I don't, I wouldn't say that you have to um, hop into it. Even though I'm having a really good time, you know, grinding for God rolls on certain <laughs> weapons. Um, no, I'm serious. Like like the new sniper and the new hand cannon that you can get from this new activity are like fucking S tier like <laughs> top top of the line in, in their class right now. Um did you did you did you use IS Luna in Destiny One and did you like it? Uh yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause basically they released the spiritual the spiritual successor to IS Luna and that's what everyone's going fucking nuts for. Oh, okay. Right now. So all right. Uh finally in why are, why is this happening? <laughs> um 
Xbox deodorant and body wash are coming this summer from our friends at Lynx. Microsoft has partnered with Lynx, which I'm assuming is like a shitty version of Axe, to create a scent that captures the essence of Xbox and can be purchased in body spray, deodorant, and shower gel forms. Oh, shit. If you're wondering what Xbox smells like, Micah, uh, the official description says that, quote, Lynx Xbox is a fresh scent of pulsing green citrus featuring top notes of kefir lime and winter lemon aromatic herbal middle notes of mint and sage and woody bottom notes of patchouli and clear wood containing a range of natural essential oils. The Xbox linked range comes with a sleek new look and features a body spray deodorant and shower gel. Um, these guys have never been to a convention of any kind. They think that this is what Xbox smells like. Yeah. My, uh, my Xbox smells like heat and and dust right now. (laughs) Wow. Citrus. And 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 what what else? Uh, mint and sage. I think I think it would be more accurate if this smelled like body odor and stale Cheetos. Yeah, <laughs> man. Combined together, fucking so. Cheetos and Mountain Dew, man. <laughs> <laughs> it really should be Mountain Dew, fucking scented. That would be that would be amazing. Um, I mean, look. We don't do the Amazon read till later in the show, but if I don't do it now, I'm not I'm not worth my salt. Look, when they release this stuff, you can get it at densepixels.com slash Amazon. So if you too want to want to have the the pungent musk of Xbox all over your body on a daily basis, all you have to do is go to densepixels.com slash Amazon. You'll pay the same low price. I, 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 to me, I can't imagine a price too too high for this uh for this lovely combination of fragrances. Um, you'll pay that same low price. We'll get a small percentage of the sale um, so we can celebrate in your musk in spirit uh, as you smell the odorous, you know, fan. Uh, really, the smell of Xbox should be whatever cologne Larry Herb wears on a daily basis. Like, that's that's what it should be. Um, so, yeah, densepixels.com slash Amazon uh, to, to smell like Xbox or when you buy anything. On Amazon, that's the link that you should use. You can you can bookmark it, and that way, whenever you go to Amazon, it's just there. You don't have to worry about typing it. It's it's the perfect way to do it. Uh, while we're here, don't forget to go to YouTube.com/slash DensePixels. Click the red subscribe button, ring the bell icon, so you get this podcast in video format. You can see our beautiful mugs every single week. Uh, we post additional content on there as well. If you're not a premium member, uh, you guys got a sample of that last week, by the way, since we didn't do an episode. Uh, we graciously and omnipotently <laughs> gifted you uh, one of the greatest episodes of the Men of the Golden Tongues of all time that I listened to for a fourth time. Uh, the Die Another Day episode of the Men with the Golden It's too good. It's too it good. If you, if, you, if you didn't listen to that freebie that we gave you last week, go download it now Well, after you're done listening to this and check it out. It's amazing. And so... If you like that, just understand that's the level of content you're going to get from the TNP Studios Premium Network. So, again, densepixels.com slash premium, which is $5 a month or $50 for the entire year. If you're a politics junkie, the Democratic debates are this week, so we're going to have some cool shit going on. Look forward for that as well. So definitely check it out. And no matter what app you use to listen to your podcasts, make sure you download and subscribe to Dense Pixels, The Nerd Apocalypse, Black and Black Cinema, and Coming Distractions as well, so you never miss any content from all your friends at TNP Studios. 
Uh, Micah, I'm going to pass this to you uh, because I need to I need to summon up the amount of spite and contempt uh, for my story that is necessary. But uh, but I want to to let you have the floor for yours. So uh, there's an article, uh, an opinion piece on Polygon from uh, Daniel Friedman uh, that posits that single player games might be a safer bet than live service games uh in 2019 um he he cites uh the fact that um there have been excellent single player games that have made a ton of money uh Sekiro, Spider-Man, God of War, Red Dead 2 um as as leading examples um and he cites that while it is while live services are actually um, a very good moneymaker, most people, they're a good moneymaker if you get it right. And most people now aren't getting it right. Uh, and then the, the elephant in the room, you know, when you say a live service game, Fortnite. Fortnite is the top dog, right? And And he goes into examples of how other games that are uh really good like destiny they started out really really poor and eventually destiny grew to be what destiny is but destiny destiny had the advantage of being developed by uh a beloved developer you know whereas games like anthem and uh apex legends he even says even cites that Apex Legends has kind of fallen by the wayside a bit. I, I I don't know. I don't you know follow those statistics, but um, he says that if you have a live service game and you come out half assed, it is essentially uh, um, a a waste, right? Because Fortnite is firing on all cylinders. Most gamers don't have enough time to play multiple different live service games, right? Like you're not. And then if you do have time to play multiple live service games, they all have to be, they all have to have steady content. No more of this, uh, Anthem style, uh, uh, fallout 76 style come out, not even halfway done. And then promising things months and months and months down the road when Fortnite is updating every what couple of weeks? Yeah, pretty much. Um and I and and I, I wanted to ask you, do you think I, I honestly don't think live service games are going away. That would be foolish, right? Like it's a it's a constant revenue stream. But do you think that companies and developers, will, do you think that companies will give developers time to actually make a quality product? Or do you think that if they do not have enough time, will, uh, uh, do you see the industry moving towards getting more efficient with their content drops? Or do you think that single player games might make a, not a, not a, not have a renaissance per se because they haven't died, right? Mm-hmm. But do you think high tier AAA single player experiences 
will be uh, so much of a boon with games like Star Wars. Look, no, look uh, Star Wars is Star Wars, right? Like, it's going to make a ton of money. But games like Cyberpunk, which is getting a lot of pub, uh, do you think games like that, provided they do well, we'll see more of those? Or do you feel like we'll see a lot more attempts at live service games? I mean, we even spoke about it earlier, about how Gears is now attempting the Battle Pass thing that Fortnite mm-hmm. is doing. They're, they're kind of nipping their toe into the live service water. They're trying to have it both ways. Right. Um, so I'm going to answer the second part of your question first with the single-player game. Now, here's the thing. They're... He he's citing like excellent single player games like Sekiro, Spider Man, God of War, Red Dead Two. The operative word there is excellent. Yeah. Um. For every one Spider Man that came out, there's probably ten single player games that barely pass the sniff test. And then of course you also have the games that are in the niche market that might be good, um, but people aren't going to play them because of how niche they are. Uh, Judgment is a great example of that. Like Judgment yeah. might be a terrific game, but it is appealing to a very specific audience, a very specific crowd. And outside of that, it's probably not going to have a wide reach outside of that. So there's always going to be a place in the market for quality single player experiences. That's never going to change. Like I have no qualms about cyberpunk when that comes out being a massive success because of the company making it. And because people can just look back and say, wow, Witcher three was a massively successful game. So therefore cyberpunk is probably gonna be massively, massively successful just on the back of that reputation from the get go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with last of us, same thing with any first party Sony game that comes out that's single player. Um, so yeah, excellent single player games are always going to have that, you know, that place. And they also have an advantage in that they are, experiences that since you just have to go through the story, it can be a hundred hour game. But once you've done that hundred hours, you're not committed to that at any point. Right. Um, so yeah, I think those, I, like you said, those never really did go away. I think they're always going to be around, um, in, in terms of the marketplace. But again, the thing with that is you have to execute on it. You can't just put out a shit game and expect it to uh, people eventually to get to it. I think that is the bigger issue is that, if a game is bad, people are just going to ignore it and never, never, e- even when it goes you know down in price, they're never going to consider picking it up. So the live service part is interesting. So I feel like that there is, there's a lot of live service games that have an inherent advantage in the marketplace because they got there first. Um, Overwatch is one of those games. Destiny is one of those games. Uh, Fortnite by proxy is essentially one of those games. Um, so those are so those are games that have a built-in community that have sunk in tremendous amounts of hours into those games that still play them on a regular basis. So that when, and that's what has made it difficult. I think that's one of the things besides the botched launches for like Fallout and Anthem that made it tough for them to get a foothold is because people, you know, they, they go check out the new hotness. And then after a couple of weeks, once they've, hit that, you know, content wall, once they've experienced all of the content the game has to offer at that point, they're like, all right, well, let me go back to old reliable, right? Mm-hmm. Like once, like everyone that plays Destiny checked out Anthem when it came out, and then once you did everything you could do in the game in like two weeks, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff to grind for, they're like, all right, cool, maybe I'll come back when there's more stuff to do, but I'm going to go back to to Destiny for right now. Um, Division 2 is another great example. Division 2 had a great launch. 
by all accounts. Um, they did a terrific job releasing the game. It was, it wasn't even all the rage. Like when it came out, like it had a, you know, very big first week, but I don't remember people talking about it like that. No. And after the first couple of weeks, the, the zeitgeist died down. Even when they released a new like world tier and a new stronghold, no one was really talking about it. When the raid came out after two months, some people got back in to check it out. And then once the raid was good, but because you didn't raise the power cap or didn't put in a lot of new things to grind for, people didn't really go back to it. Like people checked out the raid and then they went back to doing what they were doing again. So, and I think that's the problem that Apex is running into too. Now I don't think Apex is a dead game. But I think Apex was the beneficiary of being the new hotness Mm -hmm. that everyone was checking out for a month. And then once they got their fill, they went back to the thing that they they sat on previously. That's the problem that live service games are going to have. I think that's the reason that Call of Duty didn't truly catch on, even though Black Ops 4 was a good game, as as that we talked about on the podcast. Um, I think that's why the Red Dead 2 online has not caught on, because people have GTA in their back pocket. It's appealing to a similar audience. GTA is much more fleshed out. It's much more, they have a time, a previous time investment into that world. So why are you going to reinvent, you know, make a brand new time investment into Red Dead right. when I can just go back to GTA, which is something I've already sunk in tons of time in. So that's the problem with live service games right now. How do you, but how do you break in? How do you break, if, if the makers of Mass Effect, if the makers of Fallout can't sustain something that is quality. Like I, I understand if this is like some new IP and you don't really, you know, you don't want to necessarily test the waters, but, but I mean, provided that those games are good look, Anthem plays well, just didn't have anything to do. Fallout from what I understand does not play well and doesn't have anything to do. So let's just say, um, Let's use Anthem as 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 uh, an excuse. The game is made well, but do you think it's it's just because the content wasn't there? Like you know how people are with uh, I don't know if they still do this with Destiny, but whenever there's a a Destiny content drop, the the hardest of the hardcore Destiny fans blow through everything in a week and then complain that there's nothing. Well, I don't do. that's not happening anymore, actually. And I'll and I'll tell you why. So so Anthem's problem is more on a systemic level. So the problem that Anthem had is that the loot wasn't good enough to grind for. Um legendaries weren't that much better than like the or the, I, I can't remember the, the gun tiers, but but yeah. the gold tier was not that much better than the purple tier. Mm-hmm. Guns or or the, the sorry, masterwork was not legendary were not that much better than masterwork. So there was no reason to really grind for those. They just rolled into higher power level. Mm-hmm. And the, and there wasn't a it, it was, it's not even the, the amount of content there is to do. You have to have the carrot at the end of the stick. The reason that Destiny has worked so well lately, in the especially in the past year, this annual pass experiment has has been mixed. But what you can't deny that they've done really well is they'll release the annual pass. They'll let you check out some of the new content. Then couple weeks in on that season now we're going to give you an exotic quest that you can go to to get this new exotic weapon mm-hmm. there's there's constantly they, they keep throwing out new carrots along the way that get people to come back into the game and and grind for this stuff and i think that's the problem that you have so the, and i also think that that expectations have to be adjusted as well so i think there's two there's two things you can do 
to help make it easier if you're going to get into the live service world. One, you got to be different than anything else that's out there. I think one of the reasons why Dauntless, um, you know, launched very heavily is because there's nothing else like it aside from Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. And if you are curious about Monster Hunter, but you don't want to dedicate the time to Monster Hunter because it's too dense, it's too obtuse, Dauntless is perfect. I've continued to play it for you know, the past three weeks to a month because it offers something different than I can get from any of these other live service games. Anthem doesn't really offer a lot different from what destiny could give you. Uh, apex legends doesn't give you a ton different from what Fortnite can give you. Obviously they're different games and they have different play styles, but the, you know, what, what you're get what you're going for is kind of the same. So you can be different, but I think the other thing that these companies need to do, and it doesn't matter if it's a small indie company, like, you know, like Phoenix Labs is that makes Dauntless, or if it's a big AAA company like, you know, Treyarch or anything like that, I think you need to adjust your expectations. I think so many of these companies are looking to become maybe not even the next Fortnite. Maybe I think a lot of these companies are looking to become the next Overwatch. I think a lot of these companies are looking to have this very large, consistent player base that comes back week after week. And I think that you have to understand that you're going to get a lot of people up front, but as long as you can get a core player base of like between 500,000 and a million players, that might not be a huge number, but if those people are playing week in and week out, coming back constantly, spending money in your store, even if they leave for a couple weeks to check out the new hotness, they're right back into it once things, you know, settle down in that other new game. I think that's the key to success. Um, speaking of destiny, we, I remember a lot of talk happened when Destiny 2 first came out about, you know, a couple of weeks or months after the game released. Oh, man, you know, concurrent users are down to 300,000, you know, concurrent users. That's terrible. Down from 6 million when the game first came out. And we shit all over those numbers because they're <laughs> right. fucking bullshit numbers that are there to craft the narrative. Right. But if you're going to use that comparison, guess what? Bun Destiny 2 last week just got back to a million concurrents for the first time in a really fucking long time because of all the changes they're making. And I'm not saying that a million people, you know, are going to, those million people are going to be there through the thick and thin of destiny, but I think they've carved out a good solid group of folks who are willing to give them money, who buy every new expansion that come out, who will spend money on silver, who buy stuff from the Eververse store. And, and, and they're only going to spend more now, especially with these new like armor perks that we know mm -hmm. are coming down the road. Um, that's, I think that's what you need. And unfortunately for large companies, that's not acceptable. Like they want all the money from all the people all the time, right? So, so right. you can't. So, it, it, so it, like for for Call they of want, Duty, they want launch numbers every month, like, right? Yeah. So, like, so like for Black Ops Four, they talked about how oh, this didn't hit our sales expectations. They still probably sold like eleven million copies of that game, which right. is a lot of fucking people. But I think you need to understand that a lot of those eleven million people aren't going to be there for you six months from now. You're gonna, you should be happy if you can keep half a million of those people six months from now, especially with all these games that we have that are coming out soon. All right. I just found it. Um, I just found it kind of interesting. Like that, that Fortnite is paving the way for how the industry is, is kind of getting ready to handle itself. And like, we're coming up on a new generation. Like, I don't know that they are though. I, really? I, I you think, don't think, I the, think you don't think the, I, the battle pass model, the, the promise of, the promise of, and I'm specifically talking about live service games or or single player games that, like Gears, want to 
keep people coming back for more. You don't think that that the the battle pass model and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought they kind of came up with that idea. That they the, as far as I know they did. That the battle yeah. pass model of hey, every 2 months we're going to give you something, just something to 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 chase. I I think it depends on how you approach it, right? Like I th- I think if you if if you're going to create a live service game, you have to worry about the game first. I think the problem is, is that too many companies can often look at this, and this is probably coming from above the above the heads of the developers, honestly. Too many companies can look at these type of games as, hey, what's the best way we can find a consistent revenue stream? I, and, I, and I think that's the wrong approach. You have you can't put the cart before the horse. You have to have a great game that people want to play first, and then you can layer in the, the the monetization on top of that in a way that makes sense that's not going to be you know abusive and predatory to your players um and i think that's the problem is that too many folks like this like the most recent call of duty that came out they 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 forewent the single player for this fully multiplayer experience and they had their their Call of Duty multiplayer, which is probably the best mode in the game, honestly, because it's the one that was the most fleshed out because it's the one they've been doing for the longest. You had this zombie, you know, game that they've also been doing for a long while that they were hoping to expand with new maps. And then they threw it. They threw together this battle royale. I'm not not saying that they fucking just slapped it together. I'm sure it was a well thought out experience, but I'm sure that they were looking at what other games were doing and was thinking, hey, how can we make money from this? That's why they did that instead of a single player. Because you can make money from a battle royale game. You can't do that from a single player game outside of the initial purchase. Yeah, I mean I don't know. Do you um do you think the Fortnite train will come to a to a, a halt? It has to eventually. There's gonna there's going to be something else. There always is. There always is. And and every time we say, oh, man, there's gonna, there, there's nothing's going to be like Call of Duty used to be that game for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Overwatch was that game for a really long time. PUBG came out. It was that game for a short amount of time. <laughs> and now <laughs> and, and Fortnite did the Battle Royale. And, and everyone's like, oh, Fort-, and, and Minecraft also has been that game for a really long time as well. But something will come along. Um, that captures people, that gets people off of it, that finds a new way to be revolutionary and things of that nature. And I'm not saying that Fortnite will disappear. It will no, have its no, core no. base of players, as every game tends to have. It's just the size of that base will fluctuate. But I think you need to have that expectation going in if you're a company that's looking to to do a live service game. The people that make Warframe aren't like bemoaning the fact that they don't have a player base that's 2 million strong. No, they 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 have a they have a very dedicated but very small player base that allows them to continue making that game and pay their employees. That's really all you need to do at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So, um, my story is a doozy. Um, yo. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so e- EA was dragged before uh, British Parliament, um, in front of the House of Commons because of the loot box fiasco. You know, we, we we knew this would happen eventually, um, and they were grilling them as congressional bodies tend to do. Now, listen, I understand that corporate speak, buzzwords, industry terms, things like that are out there. I understand that you have to spin this situation and put your best foot forward as best you can. 
in order to come out of this as relatively unscathed as you possibly can. But it's a pretty big slap in all of our faces. <laughs> when, 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 a, when, a, when a member of parliament named Brendan O'Hara asked uh, Carrie Hopkins, who's the vice president of legal and government affairs for EA, she, he asked her if loot boxes were ethical. Instead of answering the question, EA took umbrage with the term loot boxes. Here's the quote from Kerry Hopkins. We don't call them loot boxes. We look at them as surprise mechanics. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hopkins, Jesus. People, I'm quoting now. People enjoy surprises. It's been a part of toys for years. We do think the way we've implemented them, these kinds of mechanics, is quite ethical and quite fun. They aren't gambling, and we disagree that there's evidence showing that they lead to gambling. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, look, the, the, the toy defense, we've made that on the show before um, in tamping down the hysteria around loot boxes. I think that there's a, there's a case to be made there. Um, but come on. Really surprise mechanics? You know what's a surprise mechanic? <laughs> a jack-in-the-box, right? Because you don't know when it's coming, but you know that it's coming. And you know what else? You know what's going to pop out of that box. <laughs> like, the surprise is like, when is it going to happen? Not like, what am I going to get? Like, not, like yeah, all right, yo. All right. I, I hate I hate. Dude, that's a sl- that, that that is that is that is pissing on our legs and telling us that it's raining. Again, I don't mind. I, I don't mind defending you against unwanted hysteria, but don't come out and make this your de- this is your defense. Surprise <laughs> mechanics is your defense. She all she also uh, was asked, "Do you agree that you have a duty of care to the people who play your games?" The response was just as fucking loyally as you can possibly imagine. Again, I'm quoting Terry Hopkins. If you're asking me if we have a duty of care under law, I can say that there's not a law yet. I do think we have a duty to our players and we take that responsibility very seriously. But legally, I don't think this is the place. This is the place to discuss whether there's a legal requirement. This is not parliament (laughs) where the laws are made is not the place to discuss if there's a legal requirement for EA to take care to their players. Oh my God. This is, um, Wow. God. That is incredible. That is in, that that's an incredible amount of voluntary tone deafness to the situation. I think that this is a situation that you need to go into and I get the lawyers not going to fucking open EA up to legal exposure so they can get sued. I understand all that. But I think this is a situation where you have to fall on your sword a little bit. You have to realize that the industry, the perception of you in the industry fucking sucks. And the Star Wars Battlefront debacle was fucking terrible. But you have all sorts of stuff you want to save. You want to make sure that your cash cow, FIFA, is protected. You don't want anything to fucking happen to that. So you got to make sure that you take this, you, you fucking care for this situation very delicately. You got to make sure that you are humble, that you say, we understand the mistakes have been made. We're doing everything that we can to correct this. We're doing it. We're, we're always looking at our, our business models. We're always looking at ways that we can make sure we take care of our players while still being, you know, responsible for 
available for our stockholders and still bring in revenue because we we pay our developers great you know great salaries and we want to make sure that they continue making excellent games and this additional revenue stream allows us to keep the price of games low and 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 it allows us to make sure that you know the, the games are terrific that we can make new fifas every year that we can take care of our development teams so we're not overworking them and crunching them and doing all that sort of stuff you don't fucking say that we have fucking surprise mechanics in our game that we're not legally liable for and we should talk about the laws because we're in fucking parliament where you make the laws see now you just came up with that off the fly this high-priced lawyer just said when asked, do you feel the need to care for your uh, for the people to play your games? This person said, nah, fuck them, yo. <laughs> and, and that's that's lawyer speak. Nah, fuck them, yo. And this is this is this is doing way more damage to to uh, the the reputation than than any like all the bad press from before. Like this is this is damning, man. Like. Just a, like I, you know, we we look at um, I watch. And you know, you know, like if you work in PR, right? They, they had yeah. a PR person there with. <laughs> you know how this is going to play. You right. know that these websites and these YouTube channels and these dumb podcasts like us are going to fucking isolate these these very specific quotes and and frame them in the context that we want to to make our argument. And that's still your fucking argument. That's still your fucking argument. Yeah, man. I just don't. I don't. God damn. Like, I. Like, sometimes I feel like we come off as, like, you know, uh, corporatists who, who defend uh, uh, people like EA, but we only do it when they, when, you know, they're being at- attacked. This is not. This ain't good, man. No, it's fucking not. It's fucking awful. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah, this, this this is not how you're going to fucking appeal yourself to to the masses. It just isn't. Um, yeah, this is this is this is awful. This is a, this is an awful fucking appearance. And look, it wasn't ever going to go well for them um, in front of Parliament. Typically, if you get dragged before a congressional body, a committee of some kind. They're not there just to fucking say, hey, how you doing? Tell us what's going great for you. No, they're there. You're there for a fucking reason. Yeah, you're getting grilled, man. <laughs> right. So, so like, so like, it's not a surprise that this, that this happened, but you could have come off a little bit more contrite, couldn't you? Like, even, even like ads for the local casinos here, the radio ads are like, hey, know when to stop gambling for help, seek mdgamblinghelp.com or some shit like that, right? Like, because. And, and again, those, those, <laughs> it's not like those ads were there based on benevolence. Right. They're there because <laughs> they had to be there. Right. Like,. It, I swear, man, this industry just does not know the idea. Just they don't want to. We're gonna. This industry is gonna get regulated, and everyone's gonna get fucking pissed. And I, I just, uh, yo, uh, get ready for games cost a hundred dollars base, man. Get ready. God damn. Yeah, Lacey, you make it. You make it really hard for me to to me to defend it when you're gonna come up with. New, and like I said, su- surprise mechanics is now. A, a fucking industry joke. It's the butt of humor now <laughs> across every website, YouTube channel um, in the world that they had the audacity to rebrand, to try to rebrand loot boxes. They're loot boxes. Just fucking call them loot boxes. We have no qualms that they're implemented in any unethical way when talking about the surprise mechanic. <laughs> the surprise mechanic. Wow, dude. 
So that, that like I said, I, that that got me. That got my ire this week. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting, man. That's yeah, pretty gross. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty gross. Jesus. Christ. Um. Oh, all right then. So moving on to the post office. Uh we're gonna we're gonna we're spending some time in here, even though we ran longer on our discussions than I thought we would. That's yeah, fine. Uh Henry says he just started playing Destiny on the PS3. He's on the broke school psychologist financial plan. Any tips of advice? Get Destiny Henry, 2. Get Destiny 2 on <laughs> PS4. That's that I mean un- unfortunately, and, and I'm just being fucking honest with you. Destiny 3 base game on PS3 is not going to be a good experience. No. At this point. No, it's not. It's it's just not. Um the Destiny 3 base game was not a great experience in general. Um Taken King is what made that the game that it was. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's don't worry about it. Just yeah. save up for a PS4 and then buy Destiny 2 or don't even buy Destiny 2. Get Destiny 2 New Light. In September for free yeah. when it comes out yeah. and decide if you want to buy Shadow. So, uh, Amir says, since we're halfway through the year, what has been your game of the year so far? And what are you looking forward to before the year is over? So, um, I, I have a list of games that uh, came out. Um, uh, in terms of like games that came out this year, um, the only one that I had been playing. A lot of is Mortal Kombat, and I haven't been playing like a lot of that. Um, so I hate to say it because it's going to sound like, you know, oh, this is the the new shit that I'm playing. And then now it's my favorite. But um, Judgment is probably the game that um, if I had to give a game of the year right now, like the five hours that I've played in Judgment, I've had way more fun than playing any other game that I've played, any other 2019 game that I've played. Um, in terms of what's coming out, probably Borderlands is probably it. Um, and I and I second that as well. Um, Borderlands is really the only game that I'm really looking forward to this year. Uh, most of the other shit that I'm looking forward to is 2019 releases. 2020 um, releases. The 2020 releases, sorry. Uh, my game of the year so far is Dauntless. Um, I'm playing that game way more than I ever thought that I would. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's got a really great uh, feedback loop. Um, the gameplay is is fun. It's fun to... It's I, I like games that make you really... It, it gets you excited about playing better and getting better at the game. Like games that reward you for getting more skilled. And Dauntless is definitely a game that does that. Um and so that's why I'm really that's why I keep going back because it's it's enjoyable to to refine my skills to you know unlock new stuff for the weapons to be more efficient during the hunts and so that's been awesome um, so that's my game of the year right now uh, we will move on to Rashawn uh, since we were just talking about EA uh, he says what is your thought on the EA executives not taking their bonuses uh, this is a story that we missed um, basically. Andrew Wilson and a few other EA executives were owed a uh, like a quarterly bonus based on revenue. They opted not to take it. Uh, the twenty million dollar bonus that Patrick Soderlund, former EA CEO, was owned or was owed, uh, did not leave the company with him. Uh, they stayed. They kept that in the company to reinvest it uh, into the company's employees and other projects that they were doing. Um, look, it's it's PR move. 
Yeah. Honestly. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't. Oh, you didn't get your bonus? Like, all right, you're still making a bajillion dollars. Right. Like, like it's, <laughs> if, if you're making, if, if you are so rich that you're owed a $2.5 million quarterly earnings bonus <laughs> as the CEO of a company, Believe me when I tell you, you don't need that two point five million dollars. <laughs> right, <laughs> you're not. You ain't. You ain't living. It's not like you ain't eating if you don't get that two point five mil in your bank account. Right. Maybe. Maybe that's one less. Maybe that's one less Richard Mill watch that you can't buy <laughs> uh, this quarter. So yeah, you're, you're doing all right. Still. Yeah. Like, and it's like, you know, I heard somebody. I, I was lurking in a conversation where people were kind of sympa sympathetic, I guess. Um, and they said, well, athletes get paid, you know, and they get signed bonuses and stuff like that. I'm like, well, athletes are like putting their bodies on the line, man. Like these people are, these people are putting on suits and well, yelling and, at and workers. Also, and also too, like the, the way that I rationalize athletes getting paid exorbitant salaries and people love to fucking bang on athletes yeah, man, like getting paid exorbitant salaries. But I think it's important that you realize, um, and I came to this realization many years ago and, and I continue to bang the drum on it, that if the athletes weren't making that money, it would be just going to the rich old white guy that owns the team. <laughs> yeah, man. So they should get paid money actually i would argue that many athletes are underpaid yeah. um I, I i would make the argument that when lebron james played for the cleveland cavaliers lebron james who made a max contract under the nba rules of 30 million dollars a season was underpaid yeah quite. because of how because of how singularly important he was to that franchise because of how much revenue that he specifically brought in now he, of course, made the, you know much of that money up in endorsement deals and stuff like that. Right, that were his own deal. But in terms of the the value that he brought to the Cavaliers, thirty million is not enough compensation for LeBron James. No, quite it's frankly, not. they should have called. They should have changed Cleveland's name to LeBronland. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> like, like, what are we doing, yo? So yeah, right. So so yeah. The next the next time you complain about athletes making too much, just remember that again. I'd rather them get it, the people doing the work on the field, right? Than uh, than, <laughs> right. than, than the old white dude in the fucking owner's box, right? The, who already who was already rich, right? The, and this is his this is his hobby. The so. athlete in that analogy is the the fucking developer. Like they're the people fucking making the game. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck, yo? Right. <laughs> so, um, Malcolm says. What's a good beginner watch to own? Malcolm, there's a fantastic channel uh, called The Budding Watch Enthusiast that you should, you should go check out. I believe that the handsome and intrepid uh, person who runs that channel did a video in the past couple of weeks of great beginner watches to pick up, great brands to check out. Uh, I'll give you a tip for free. Uh, it, and, and it's, it's going to vary. It depends on your budget. It depends on how much you want to spend. Uh, it depends on what type of watch you want as well. But a good company, a good brand to check out. Uh, that has a great line of entry-level watches in a variety of different styles, uh, is going to be Seiko. Seiko is the, probably the one brand that I would point most people to uh, when you are first starting out if you want a nice a nice watch for the first time. So not Timex. 
Timexes are great. I'm 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 not shitting on Timex. Timexes are very cool. Uh, they have a lot of neat designs. Uh, but Timex is almost exclusively quartz. Um, and in my opinion, if you want to kind of step your watch game up and get like your first nice wristwatch, you want a mechanical wristwatch. You want one that's 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 either self winding or, or hand winding. And Timex does not do that. Ah, uh-huh. so. So I yeah I would I would say Seiko would be the brand to check out first. Uh, they have a lot of great watches, most of which are uh, not most of which, but many of which you can get for under three hundred bucks. Uh, I, the Seiko SKX was one of the first dive watches I ever bought, and I still wear that thing. It's great, and it was less than two hundred dollars. So definitely check out Seiko. Uh, and again, it depends on what you're looking for, but yeah, check out Buddy Watch Enthusiast. Great channel. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Chris says, video game streaming services, do you trust the video game industry to do this right or will they screw over the consumer again? What do you mean, now, do this right? Uh, do you think that they'll be... Uh, well, so uh, my issue with streaming services, and, and Jim Sterling just put out a video today that I watched uh, that echoes a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, opinions. Um, the biggest problem with streaming... It's the same problem that you're having with all the streaming services now in video. Like it used to be just Netflix and 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 your Amazon Prime subscription. Now every fucking, you know, Disney's getting its own streaming service. CBS has its own streaming service. Showtime has its own streaming service. HBO Go is 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 a thing that's out there. And so all the, if you want all the content, all the shit it, the the cost adds up. Now with movies I don't mind it as much because movies are, you know, two hour experience. They're digestible. Very rarely do you go back and watch a film over and over and over again in, in, in a short span of time. Games are very, a very different animal. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know if games translate as well to streaming as music does, as movies do. And my bigger concern is, all right, so. You're like, I don't need to buy games anymore. I can just buy the EA streaming service and the Microsoft streaming service and the Ubisoft streaming service, and I'll just play that stuff. Cool. What happens when you move on to the next generation of console? You don't own those games. So either they make it available or they don't. And if they don't, you don't get to play those games anymore. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's way too early to to figure out if this is going to be a good thing or not. Um and I, I, I'm loath to invest a lot of money into subscription services uh, this early on, uh, before, before, before I, before I have more assurances. So if you're asking, will they fuck this up? Yeah, I, I think that there's inevitably going to be a lot of bumps in the road when it comes to this over time. Yeah, this, um, this, this screams bad idea to me. I, you know, one, this country doesn't have the infrastructure for it. Two, like you said. When, when next generation comes along, you're not going to necessarily own those things. Like it's, I mean, it's a little different now with downloading games digitally on your console because you can theoretically keep that console and still play Mm -hmm. your game. But, um, when the Stadia three comes out and you really like a game that was on the original Stadia, I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, what yeah, you- it's 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 hard for me to fathom. L- like you said, with with digital downloads, at least you can keep the console. Um, but even then, like, what if and like what if servers get turned off? Yeah, like what or what if what if what if fucking somehow 
Microsoft falls on hard times and they're like, Xbox is done. We're shutting down Xbox Live. Right. Guess what? Yeah. Every game that you've ever bought requires an online check to ensure your license is good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Guess you're not playing those ever again anymore. So, yeah. I don't know. It's um, it, it, it's, it's too early. It's too early. You have to... Uh, you have to play the wait and see game. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how this thing <laughs> comes out first. <laughs> let's, let's wait for this thing to come out first. Uh, we're gonna do one more, and we will go with. Let's see here. Uh, we'll go with Jason. Jason says, "Am I cheap, or is my unwillingness to pay for the Mortal Kombat 11 DLC for forty bucks that'll be released over time?" seem like a ripoff because they want all the money first and then they're going to give me the product later. So we can, we can extrapolate this into the slowly dying concept of season passes uh, in general. Um, Jason, you're not cheap. You're a, you're a smart consumer. Yeah. You're discerning. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the correct word to use there. So here's the thing. So, so the, the benefit of the season pass model has always been, you give us money up front because you're putting our, your faith in what we're going to deliver. And in return, we will give you this content at a discount or you can buy it later, but you're going to pay full price. Now, the thing that kind of undermines that is that you can buy the season pass whenever you want. Like you can wait till all six characters are out in Mortal Kombat 11 and still buy the $40 pass. But of course, the downside to that is that you will have, have to wait for all six characters to come out before you can use any of them. If you want the better deal. Right. So you, yeah, you're, you're not cheap, Jason. You, like you said, you want to wait to see, you want to make sure the characters are going to be worth your money. And I get that. Um, but there's a price to be paid for that, unfortunately, but that's just the way it is. And then video games aren't the only thing that are, that are like that as well, by the way. Um, if you, if you guys have ever used Kickstarter for anything, <laughs> typically, if you back something on Kickstarter, be it a video game, a board game, a watch, whatever, if you back it on Kickstarter, you get it at a cheaper price than it's going to be when the retail version comes out because you're being rewarded with your faith. But on the downside, if the product that you get at the end of the day turns out to be a piece of shit, you're screwed. You're out of that money. That's the same thing with, with, with season passes. You are you are you are you are saving money to hope that the thing that you're getting is worth the money that you spent on it. Yeah, um, I I admire you, Jason, because I I don't have any self control, so <laughs> <laughs> I buy games that you know, like ooh, this might not come out, but it's on the store, so it should come out eventually. Um, but no, you're not uh, you're not cheap, but um, like Brad said, you just if you're patient, like uh, we know people who know that there's going to be a game of the year edition of, you know, Mortal Kombat 11, right? That's the joke with fighting games, right? I'll just wait to get everything when it all comes out at the, you know. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Some people don't even buy it when the game right. launches. They're just like, I'll wait the, the 18 months right. and get the complete edition. Yeah. So it just depends on how much you're willing to, how much you're willing to wait. Me, I'm very impatient. And I don't want to play as Nightwolf or Sindel, but I bought that pass because, you know, uh, I have a problem. 
<laughs> but no, I don't think anybody's, uh, I wouldn't look ill of anybody if they wanted, you know, it's 40 bucks, yo. It's 40 bucks for, for an IOU. It's $40 for an IOU for something that's not tangible. <laughs> like, I, I 100% get it, man. Yeah. And, and like I said, you could make the argument, too, that that, it's a lot of money to pay for six characters. Yeah, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And they're not even like, Todd, like, Nightwolf. So can't believe that they're like, Nightwolf. And right. We're like, all right. <laughs> Sindel. Like, That's all right, cool. Another lady. That's cool. Uh, ah, you mean the people that if you had had them in the original launch, we wouldn't have used any. Right. Exactly. I see. And then two more that we don't want to tell you because we haven't quite nailed down the rights yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, I'm cheating. Uh, we're going to do one more wrestling related. Uh, Johnny asks, he, he's asking about rambling rabbit, exposing the business, no selling death twice in the uh, firefly Funhouse. <laughs> I'm asking you, Micah, have you been following up on this new Bray Wyatt, uh, Mr. Rogers, dark you know weird joker-esque character and are you enjoying what you're seeing uh i am enjoying it it is um it is <laughs> i am enjoying it so much that i am dreading when it stops <laughs> see that's the thing <laughs> like 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 the vignettes and, and the build-up is so good it is completely inevitable that the end product is going to be so disappointing it is and, and doesn't live up and doesn't live <laughs> up to the the what's being built uh, towards it because you just once once you're in the ring and in front of the audience you don't have that same level of flexibility to do yeah, that crazy man. shit you don't have that production like from what I understand he's been given carte blanche to do whatever he wants with these vignettes but when once it's time to you know walk your happy ass down the ramp and get in the <laughs> ring guess what man you are you are at the behest of a septuagenarian who is completely <laughs> out of touch and doesn't know what the hell you're doing so uh, you know i'm afraid he's going to get booked like bray wyatt gets booked you're like oh man i'm the eater of worlds man like this guy had this guy had the opportunity to be the next undertaker right and then they're just like no you don't get to win nothing I think he won he won a world title for like a week and then was like nah <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it that's not good shit like all right man so yeah i i really am enjoying the firefly firefly funhouse um he looks to be in great shape um, I just, I, I'm, I'm really sad because I heard that he did eight of them and now that's it. So he might be debuting soon. So, yeah, it's like, so I'm, I'm just terrified at what's going to be the end, what, what you're going to get when it comes, when it comes out, because you also, yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> oh, it's the only, it's the only problem with, with doing really good pre-produced segments <laughs> is that you just can't, uh, you just can't let it get to the point where it's awesome at the end product uh, yeah the only the only person who could get away with doing those awesome pre-produced segments that was able to make it work was mr perfect uh, yeah i'll never I'll, i could never forget when he would you know partner up with the athlete of x local city and do an amazing feat of sports yeah he would just to the astonishment of that athlete just get a hole in one like it's nothing <laughs> get a hole in or, one or, th- or throw himself an 80 yard touchdown pass. right <laughs> Oh, because the payoff was great. The athlete was like, that's incredible. I've never seen anything like that. He's like, it wasn't incredible. That was perfect. <laughs> God, I miss Kurt. That's where we're going to end it. 
Uh, don't forget to join our fan group, deadspixels.com slash fans. Uh, follow us on social media, subscribe to the show. Uh, check out YouTube. Follow Terrence on Twitch, Aberration 410. If I stream, it's on the Dead Spaces YouTube channel. Uh, Carrie is up, it's Carrie on Twitch as well. Thank you guys very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you all the next time. See ya. <laughs>